you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. The Around the League podcast needs a fourth for Cornhole. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with some heroes, Chris Wessling and Mark Sessler. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. How you doing? Uh, Greg Rosenthal, fearless leader, also known as The Boss. Bruce Springsteen is not sued us yet. Not here today. He has some personal business, so it is the three of us. And, of course, the gold standard behind the glass. Zach has been doing some uh, weekday work for us lately, and... K. Rich is doing the Sunday podcast. How would you guys, I don't know if Zach's listening, I don't know how the audio works. I'm sure he can hear. Is he doing a good job right now? Yeah, he's doing great. I think he's he is professional. Uh-huh. He's, uh, his shows are unique. He's got, he's he's outstanding. He's exceeded my expectations, which may, you know, I don't know what that says about my expectations, well, but he's s- done a good job. You said a lot of negative things about I the did. gold standard. I did. I besmirched his character when he wasn't listening. Yeah. So, I don't know. If, if he's if he is listening, great job. The, are you listening to the gold standard? <laughs> no, I heard all that. It was very oh. kind of you guys. You guys <laughs> good are nickname, too. gentlemen. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. All right, cool. So, <clears throat> with that taken care of, I guess why don't we just get into – we're going to get into all the playoff games this weekend. This is going to be the the mega playoff pod edition where we dig in. But there's a couple uh, bits – of news to get over, get through first, and we'll start with the biggest news of Thursday morning. Uh, Bears general manager Phil Emery announced that the team had signed quarterback Jay Cutler to a seven-year contract that will keep him th- in Chicago through 2020. Um, Wes, I'll start with you. Your first thoughts on the move? I guess this gives them certainty at the position. Uh, I had thought, based on reporting from Mike Michael Silver. Uh, our own Michael Silver back in November that the Bears kind of weren't sure about Cutler going forward that 
Tressman, as much as he's known as the quarterback guru, didn't like it that he couldn't fix Cutler's mechanics. He was still lapsing into bad habits. And it seemed like Silver's, Silver's sources were pretty close to the head coach. It seemed to me like they were still – if they were still concerned at that point and then the way McCown played, I thought, you know, why not just go forward with McCown in a first-round draft pick? But I guess this does give them certainty at a position where you need a franchise quarterback in the NFL. I think it's, you know, McCown's 34. If he were 28, I think the discussion might have been a little bit different here. But, look, I, I don't think it's a, a huge issue to sign Jay Cutler to a, a long contract like this because there aren't that many – if you get rid of him and if you if you fail the draft pick, if that's where you're going to go, you're suddenly in big trouble. And, and Tressman's entire offense is built around having a known – something at quarterback that he can work with. I, I think he could do that with a lot of quarterbacks that probably looked average in other systems, but I don't have a huge issue with this. I saw a lot of negativity right away, and Cutler, I question Cutler the arc of his career and what he's going to do for Chicago, but you could do worse. Well, I think, I think that was expected to have two, both sides of the spectrum in terms of the reaction. I think Cutler, with maybe the possible exception of Tony Romo, is the most divisive player in all the NFL or of his entire era. You Does know? anybody like him? I don't know. I like him. Oh, okay. You don't like him? I thought you liked him. Cutler is one of my least favorite uh, athletes in America. Well, <laughs> from the on-field, <laughs> the like off-field, uh, what, the whole aura? Uh, he's just a powder. I don't know. I don't like his general demeanor. I don't like the way he plays. It's funny, though, because his teammates have gone to bat for him over and over. When Remember when that whole stuff happened with this? He's, he's on the sideline watching the playoff game. Those guys over and over said they love playing for him. So there's some disconnect between what we perceive and what his I, own teammates I perceive. I like his attitude. I know he rubs people the wrong way, but I think he's one of those guys that's kind of in on the joke a little bit. He understands that he plays the heel a little bit, and he likes doing that in the press conferences, being a little smug. And I think it's all part of the appeal. I think he's great copy. I think the Chicago beat writers should be thrilled that he's still around. Um, but the reason I think it's it's a good move is, and why I think the Bears, well, I don't know, but the, it's a big contract, and I know NFL contracts are, you know, very rarely do they play out all the way through. But I think they did the smart move in not getting too wrapped up in the Josh McCown situation, which I thought was, you know, much credit to a journeyman coming in and putting together an amazing uh, stretch of producti- productivity when Cutler went down. But I, it would have been a huge mistake in my mind if they would have let Cutler go whether it be through free agency or a tag and then a trade, and then said, Josh, we saw what you did. You're our guy now. I think that would have blown up in their face. Three, three final things on this. My feelings on Jay Cutler, it kind of sealed the deal for me that he's really uh, a bad guy in an 80s movie. <laughs> when he answers questions by saying, bro, I was like, all right, I'm done with this guy. He really is Billy Zopka. <laughs> you went after me for using bro I don't the get the bro well. thing. To me, it's like a, to me, like it's a frat boy 20-something line. I don't know. I don't get the bro thing. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> like the uh, Bryce bro, bro. Bryce Harper, that's a clown question, bro. Uh, I don't know. It's a generational thing. For I like me. the inflection you put onto it, bro. Bro, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> to me, it's a generational thing. I guess I don't get it. Um, <laughs> you want everybody Wes's to get first off your point lawn. Wins me over. I like that. Okay, thank you. I've got Mark. Point, point number one: Wes aging. All right. <laughs> yes. Point two: As you can tell by my hairline. <laughs> <laughs> point number two: My other question with him is: Okay, so he's been in the NFL for what seven or eight years now. He's always been known as one of the most talented quarterbacks in the league, and he really hasn't taken that leap to a Pro Bowl type of quarterback. We still don't know what he is. Uh, he did have, like, the best numbers across the board this year in the last five years. So, Tressman's effect was good. And then the third thing 
it's one thing for Tressman to believe in his quarterback touch that he could bring in a new quarterback and fix him or develop him. It's another thing for the GM with his job on the line to put all that faith in Tressman's ability to develop a quarterback when right. he has a good quarterback already there. So I can see why Phil Emery would want to lock Cutler up. By the way, anybody? I know, Mark, you came in for the podcast today. Wes, you came in a little later. So I might be the only one that can speak on this. The press conference today for Phil Emery and Mark Tressman, it was the anti-charisma fest for all time. <laughs> it rambled on for well over, I think, 90 minutes. And they both wear the same type of glasses. They both kind of have the same t- type of look. <laughs> and they never. They were like Ivan Drago in tone. I, I fell asleep at one point. Well, they could be Don't speaking about like uh, you know a long laundry list of novels coming out of East Slovenia. <laughs> I mean, they could. They don't seem like football people on some level. Did Phil Emery have his cowboy boots on? I, I don't know, but I'd like to think he did. See, I yeah. like Tressman, I think, a little bit more than you do. That's because of the mark with the C. We no, know that. that's, that's probably all it is. But, uh, no, I think he <laughs> I don't, I don't, I think Tressman did a good job this season. Um, He's a great coach. He did. Well, they still won 8-8. Eight and eight. We don't want to get too crazy about this, right? Can't do anything with the defense. That's not his Ballywick. Well, that would be one last. <laughs> I like that. Ballywick. Uh, one last thing. They do get to now focus on that defense also moving forward into the offseason, which also is – is good for them. Okay, so um, before we get into the games, maybe we'll touch real quickly on the coaching situation. We'll start in Houston where the Texans reached an agreement with Penn State's Bill O'Brien on New Year's Eve. Uh, that will become official or that will be announced tomorrow, Friday. So the Texans got their man. And then you have in Tampa Bay, Lovey Smith is finalizing a deal to become the Buccaneers' new coach. Uh, that is good news for them, right? Sure. I, I like it. I, I like this move a lot better than Shiano. As Greg pointed out, this is basically taking an opposite type from Shiano. Uh, Lovey is, has NFL experience. Is uh, more of a player's coach, I think. His players have always loved playing for him. Well, all the reports out of Tampa Bay where so many players didn't like Shiano and his methods. So I, I kind of like this. This is a good change in the opposite direction. Lovey is a proven winner, so we'll see what happens. I remember writing uh, a post when Shiano was hired. And the whole narrative there was Shiano is the anti Raheem Moore. He is not going to be the loose, you know, the, the locker room's going to be lost by right. week eight and everyone's floating around without any discipline. This is what Tampa wanted at the time. They want Shiano's hard hitting style. The players will learn to develop. And two years later, they want everything else. <laughs> so uh, the one takeaway for me, though, Lovey Smith couldn't have orchestrated his, this career move any better. If you're a coach that's been fired, instead of jumping into the assistant ranks, if you feel you've got a shot to be out there as a head coach, disappear for a year, go play golf, rest up, exercise, eat well, <laughs> come on back, and become a hero. It, honestly, Tampa's not a what bad job. What happens if, if you see Lovey Smith's press conference tomorrow and he's like 390 pounds? That's How the other way. Go excess. Whatever it is you need. You go down that road. You've got a year just to grow. <laughs> the only interview I've seen with Lovey Literally. Smith this year was conducted while he was on a treadmill, Dan. So ah. I know he's been exercising. <laughs> he's in great It's a good job, position. Tampa, I think, because there is, you know, we talk about this, there's talent on both sides of the ball. O'Brien, to me, quickly looks like the guy that he's going to pick quarterback number one. He's going to be tied to that quarterback. Well, back to the Tampa Bay situation real quick. This just Your point just proves that NFL coaching situations are like ex-girlfriends. 
When you get a new girlfriend, you're going to go with the opposite of your old one. Like if the last one was too clingy and wanted to get married and rush you into that, you're like, oh, no, the next one. You've got, <laughs> you got to find one that's cool with just taking it easy for a while. It's called the rebound. Well, I mean, even if you have a long-term relationship, your last one kind of dictates what your next one, that's what true. you're looking for in your next one. That's true. I don't know if I had so many girlfriends that I went back and forth this many times in terms of personality traits. <laughs> you're, not, <laughs> you're not the Glazer t- family? I sort of, of took what of came men. along for the most part. <laughs> Um, all right. And then there you have the Dolphins, who there's no news yet, but our own Ian Rappaport and Jeff Darlington both reported today that Stephen Ross is at the Dolphins facility for the first time this week, and there's a, inside the building a sense that change is on the way. At the top of that list, potentially, is Mike Sherman. Rappaport reported that Ryan Tannehill had lost faith in Sherman, and if the franchise quarterback has that feeling you could safely imagine that Sherman is at least gone, but there will be perhaps more beyond that. I look at Ross real quick on the girlfriend corollary that, listen, he flew out to talk to Harbaugh. He always wanted Jim Harbaugh as his coach, and everything since has been second best, and I think that he's probably in a tough spot here. I don't know what you do if you get rid of the coach. The GM is a different situation, but he lost He's a ginger. His, He's he, unstoppable. So he'll, he'll be there until the end of days. Conventional weapons cannot destroy him. I think Ross has just sort of probably been disappointed to some degree for a bit. There's talk that we could have the first female general manager in the NFL. Donna Ponte? I've, I've heard about her going to the league office for stuff. Oh, she's a big executive with the Dolphins. Well, she's been with the Jets before that. She was with the Browns with Mangini and... Here she is in Miami. Yeah, Darlington also reported that she is in play on some level, that she's in the mix for what's going on right now. Um, the Mike Sherman thing, isn't that weird that Tannehill had him in college too? I thought that too. That's peculiar. It seemed like a perfect match when he got right, drafted. Right. It was like, oh, wow, this is exactly what you'd want. So it perhaps gives you a little um, It's been a very uninspiring offense. They've scored more than 30 points, I think, only three times since Philbin's been there. It sure has. All right, so guys. Let's do it, right? It's time to talk some football, some actual games. Big weekend coming up, wild card weekend. Quick power rankings, by the way, playoffs. Let's leave the Super Bowl out of it. Uh, one, two, three, favorite weekend of the year in terms of watching. Wild card's probably third. I think next weekend is, is my favorite. You like divisional round over championship weekend? I, I do because you've got – more is to be determined, and sometimes I find that the conference championships can be a letdown. One of the two can be a letdown. Yeah, and there's more games. You get the two, you get two games on both days, and they're usually really good games. Like what's in last year, the um, Seattle-Atlanta? Yes. Yeah, back and yep. forth. That was, a, that was a great game to well, watch. You got, you got Wilson Baltimore, Denver. I mean, some of the classics seem to that come was out a of these great early boiler rounds. I would say this year um, – my playoff watching in the NFL has been pretty uh, – on the last podcast, I was telling you guys I'm pretty excited for this time of year. I've been playing in a dynasty fantasy football league for like 15 years now, and we use the NFL playoffs as our playoffs. And to me, that's the only way mm. to play. So I've been like really studying the playoffs for a long time, and this is the first year where I feel like I have no clue who's going to win the opening round mm. games. Mm-hmm. All four games are coin flips to me. This is of all the last fifteen years. This is the closest the matchups have ever been. That's a great setup, Wes. Let's get right into the first. We'll go in order of the games how they'll be played. The Chiefs at the Colts Saturday, four thirty-five p.m. Eastern on NBC. These are two eleven and five teams uh, in Indy's building that could make the difference here. 
Uh, Chris Wessling, I want to know, what are your opening thoughts? Obviously, what you just told us, you think all these games are going to be close. But who, what could be a potential X factor here? This is the game I actually feel the most confident about. The Colts aren't a cupcake, which means the Chiefs can't beat them. Hmm. Chiefs went 11-0. and The only good team they beat was the Eagles. They went 0-5 against AFC playoff teams, including a 23-7 to whitewashing in their own building against the Colts. Uh, Andrew Luck has 10 game-winning drives since he got in the league the last two years. Alex Smith has one. If this game's close, I mean, the Colts have a tremendous advantage if it's close. You see Luck taking over games with his legs when it gets close. He has the ability to put the team on his back. I don't think Alex Smith does. I've heard a lot about – I've heard that a lot of people take a similar viewpoint about a lack of trust for Alex Smith, and I understand that. But I also – I think people have already forgotten – two years ago, what he was able to do with the Niners team against the Saints, where he showed that he could, he could throw the ball around, he could, he could get in a shootout and can carry himself well. When that game happened, and I know we're now two years past that, I felt that I'm, I'm going to give this guy a little more credit in case that type of game breaks out again. Right, but to me, like, okay, this is there between him and Tony Romo. Alex Smith did that one time in his career, and somehow it sticks out in everybody's mind. Like, if you listen to the Damashek program, he and Rank love Adam Smith. They think he's some clutch quarterback because he had one great performance against the Saints. If that was Romo, he'd get killed for it that he's only had one. I, you know, I watched the Chargers-Chiefs game again this morning, and what struck out to me is that Chase Daniel didn't look that different in that offense than Alex Smith. He can run well, and he threw for the same type of passes that Alex Smith. It just plopped him in there. It was really not that different. Whereas you look at what happened with Green Bay, for instance, you take that quarterback out, and everything changes with that offense. And so, you know, I look at this game, and the Colts, they've been a finicky, strange team. But if they're coming around, this is a team that beat the Broncos, Seahawks, 49ers, and Chiefs this season. We know they can do it already. I, I went Colts in this game because, A, they're at home, and I think that has a massive uh, advantage in the playoffs. I just don't trust this Chiefs team. They're 2-5 and five down the stretch. Their defense, which is what they were built around, has really not played well in a couple months. I don't, yeah, I mean, to me, I think we've said it all. I, we don't trust the, the Chiefs. Dan, your, your opinion on this one? Yeah, I picked the Colts, too. We all picked the Colts, actually, three of us in this room. I'm not sure what Greg thinks, uh, but I think Andrew Luck is the is a player that kind of makes the difference here, and I liked what I saw at the end of the season, but I also see a very close game. I'm, I'm with Wes. I see a game that comes down to the final possession, potentially a three-point game, something like that. One quick thing with Kansas City, and this is if this game were to be playing two months ago, I might feel differently because one reason that the Colts got knocked out of last year's playoff against Baltimore was that defense was able to get to him. They hit him. They disrupted him. And that was a big issue for Indianapolis heading into last offseason was fix that offensive line. They haven't done that. This isn't either a great run-blocking line, and it's not a great line of protecting the passer. And Kansas City, in theory, has this great tandem of guys that can kill the quarterback, but they just haven't been doing it. If they can do that this weekend, if they can somehow become the team they were six, seven weeks ago, that could put Indianapolis in trouble. I have some mind-blowing stats. You want some mind-blowing stats? Please. All right. Doesn't sound safe, but... (laughs) (laughs) The Chiefs had the second most takeaways in the NFL this season. The Colts had the fewest giveaways in the NFL this season. Most of those Chiefs takeaways, I would guess three-fourths of them happened in the first seven seven games. 
Speaking to Wes's point, the Chiefs went 0-5 against all AFC playoff teams this season and 11-0 against the rest of the NFL. Well, they had the easiest schedule. And listen, I think Chiefs fans get all hot and upset because they don't feel like they're being respected. But this is the game that we all season long said, this is an 11-5, 12-4 team that's going to go into January, and that's where their season's going to end. And they got to prove us wrong. I hate to break it to fans, but it doesn't matter what they think. It doesn't matter if you feel disrespected. All that matters is what happens on the field. Right. It doesn't really matter what we think either. No. I just want to make that clear. No. Because I don't want people <laughs> to think that you're some type of maniacal elitist. It's like, whatever you think fans, air quotes around fans, doesn't matter. I'm well, I the think West. The, the Chiefs have a chip on their There's shoulder. There's probably they've something got, to that. They've <laughs> got to prove everyone wrong here because we saw them. Listen, you got two games against Denver. Over and over, it's you got a chance to prove us wrong. And they kept losing those games. Exactly. And one other, if you want to get behind the Chiefs, the last six weeks of the season, they averaged 33 points a game. That's third most in the NFL. So they What did they give up, it. though? They also started to give up a flood of points. They got into shootouts. It's, it's been a different team. Their it, defense morphed into the Cowboys' defense over the last second half of the season. I will say it is surprising, and you know I think we're, we're all on the same page, that we were all – kind of out on the Colts, and, and Wes, I know you were vocal, especially vocal about it, and now we see them going into the second round of the playoffs, so we put we must have put a lot of stock into those last two weeks, or last, last three weeks for Indy. I think they figured out some of their issues on offense. They found a young receiver. Yeah, I think Derek Rogers and Griff Whalen are, have been big for them, and I think, to me, it's the game where Indy went into Kansas City, and you're waiting. I said on the podcast that day, I think the Chiefs are now the second best team in the AFC to me, that game was everything. Like you, Your season's on the line here. You have to prove to people that you can beat a good team. And not only did you lose, you got worked over by a team. The Colts, who are, they're not like a dominant team. What does Jim Irsay do if they lose this game? Are we just going to get a, a, a laundry list of rabble-rousing crazy tweets? And are they even going to sell the game out? What's going on with that, too? Well, that's disturbing for any... One who follows a team that you would you would like cut your left hand off to make the playoffs to see these things happening. But right. part of it is, you know, they, I think these fans didn't think they'd get to the playoffs. They have more tickets to sell in the week beforehand. How many seconds would it take a Cleveland Browns playoff game to sell out? Maybe nine. <laughs> All right, let's move on. The Saints and Eagles will face off on Saturday night at eight ten p.m. at uh, what is the name of the stadium in Philly, Wes? Uh, Lincoln Financial Field. Wow. <laughs> He's coming around. He's boning up on this. <laughs> He's boning up. Uh, this, to me, is uh, the – well, I, 49ers Packers I love. But this game I love because th- this can go in a couple different directions. Um, we all did preview pieces, or four of us wrote preview pieces on each of the games. I should say that. You could check it out on the Around the League page. Uh, I wrote this game up, and I, and I did write that I would love to see a 48-45 shootout. That would be so much fun. But I can't I, – there's too much evidence to the contrary that the Saints are not the same team when they're not in their building and they won't be able to keep up with the Eagles, who I think will be able to score the 30-plus points that they've become accustomed to scoring uh, this season. So I see a game that, while Drew Brees is a great ultimate X-factor type player, um, and I don't know who's going to cover Jimmy Graham for the Eagles, I still see this as a 38-24 Eagles win where the Saints – Basically, when they let that NFC South get away, it also basically evaporated their chances of going deep in this playoffs. Thoughts? Well, I, this was the hardest game for me to pick. I think most of the stats, most of the trends 
point toward the Eagles as a team that's hotter right now. And just going on my own instincts, I can't pick Nick Foles over Drew Brees in a playoff game. Mm. I can't do it. I love the way Brees has played in the playoffs throughout his career. Um, And I think when you look at who the Eagles have played, they're not beating powerhouses. Whereas the Saints have played close games against the Panthers, the 49ers. They got beat out. They got beat blown out in Seattle, but that's that happens to a lot of teams. I think the Saints are more tested than the Eagles are. You know, the Eagles had the benefit in the last two weeks of the season of playing the Bears and the Dallas defense. Right. And it showed. I mean, against Chicago, they did everything you'd expect them to do. A little bit tighter last week. I think that if you're New Orleans, you're tired, and I think this is, has to be a theme everyone assuming that because you're on the road and because the franchise hasn't won a road playoff game that this team can't do that I picked the Eagles in this but I struggle with it because of the exact factor Wes just brought up Drew Brees so Wes had the stones and you did not is that what you're saying? I still think the Eagles will win but I think it's not going to be I see sort of what you're talking about a shootout a bizarre game that's going to be a delight on Saturday night hmm. and if it's a shootout the one thing that would concern me as a Saints fan is Greg went on um, Bobby Bear show in New Orleans the other day, and they told him that they think Kenny Vaccaro is already the best defensive back in Saints history as a rookie. Rob Ryan said two weeks ago, Earl Thomas is the best free safety in the NFL. Kenny Vaccaro is the best all-around safety in the NFL. They've had him playing wow. linebacker, cornerback. They've even had him playing some defensive end. He, there's nobody in the NFL that plays all around the defense like he does. And he's out for the year. Jabari Greer, starting quarterback, out for the year. This secondary is pretty porous right now. It, it can be picked on. And Chip Kelly's offense, Nick Foles, is the kind of guy to pick on defense. I think the guy that um, is the most under pressure is Rob Ryan for a lot of the reasons Wes just said. But also in general, I mean, what this guy, what Ryan was able to do this year, taking a, a defense that was historically poor and make them – uh, highly respectable. I think they were ranked in the top five in total defense this year. Uh, is quite remarkable. But this will be, to me, his biggest test, where he has a, a roster that's missing players, and he needs to basically outsmart Chip Kelly in his own building uh, to advance. So if if Ryan if Ryan is able to keep this Eagles attack somewhat uh, under wraps, that will be his greatest achievement. And you know, it, it really tells you how far they've come in one year with Ryan. At the you know, home. the X factor here in, with a couple of these games is it's January and this is a night game in Philly. It looks like it's not going to be a snowstorm or anything, but when, when the Eagles were forced to play in bad weather in that Detroit game, and again, you're getting Detroit who plays in 72-degree weather inside a, a house eight <laughs> games a season. But Philly's ground game just absolutely took over in that thing. I don't see a snow game this time. That though. game was such an outlier as far as the amount of snow. I don't know if LaShawn McCoy didn't do much until it got to the second half and the snow started to turn into slush. Right, and then he just had better footing than anyone else. He on the looked. Field. He sure did. I just think that if this if this is a wage of a war wage between the ground games too, I love what the Eagles can do. Obviously, the Saints a little bit more one sided attack on that front, but. I, you know, I don't know if Ryan's under pressure though, because he's done a nice job this season. Is he a little bit off, off the hook well, in terms of his reputation? I don't mean reputation? pressure is in his job would be in danger, or it would he would lose all the credit he had gained this year. But just maybe just the task in front of him is it's a monster one. Uh, I yes, like the is. way you painted it as can he win a battle of wits with Chip Kelly? I kind of pictured like a cartoon where the bully has to outsmart the egghead. <laughs> <laughs> can you even imagine if let's say let's say the Saints win seventeen to three, 
Rob Ryan out on the town. I don't know if Philly's a safe place for him to party if they win. I think he'd fit in well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he might actually. He'd be chasing chickens. Wait, real quick. Any, but anywhere where free drinks or, or drinks are purchased, you're going to be a friend to everyone in the bar, I guess. Oh, I think that he, he knows how to make a friend of any bar. Uh, Nick Foles, 6'6", Drew Brees, 6 feet tall. They're not going to be on the same field at the same time. That's the widest margin, though, between heights since, Mar- since Marino played Flutie in the playoffs. <laughs> Great mind-blowing that stat. It's a stat I never thought I would hear, and I'm kind of fascinated by it. There's other ones. That, there's all, Real quick, real equal equal height disparity, six inches. Scott Mitchell, Rodney Pete, Flutie versus Jay Schrader. And then this one, which I know Dan has watched over and over from way back when, Joe Osmonski versus Steve Filipowitz. Oh, the osmowski Filipowitz showdown. The Howitzer. That was a duel. That was a duel. Quite a game. Yeah. It's a shame Mark McGuire's brother Dan never got to play against Flutie because Dan McGuire was the tallest quarterback in NFL history. Do you first round draft pick? Not the best, that's for sure. Do you want another mind blowing stat? Not nearly as good as uh, Sessler's just now, where you just blew the door off the segment. Beautiful work. Uh, the Eagles are the first team in NFL history to have a quarterback with a 100-plus passer rating, uh, falls at 119.2, a 1,600-plus yard rusher, LaShawn McCoy, and a 1,300-plus yard receiver, Deshaun Jackson. It's weird that that's in play and we're, not, we're so uncertain about this game. It's, uh, also, it's also weird that as recently as halfway through the season, Chip Kelly was uh, derided as a failure in many circles. That's fair. I believe I called him out at one point. On this very podcast. Hmm. Chip wins. Chip always wins. Despite being named Chip. All the, all, all the odds against Is him. Is that his... What was his full name when he was born? Charles? I don't know. Chaz? Chiponsky. Really? No. Oh, yeah. That would be a weird first name. Uh, let's move on. Especially with Kelly as the last name. <laughs> Chiponsky <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> We're off the rails here. Charles was correct, for the record. Ah, yes. Well, thank you. See the gold standard. The just... gold standard. Uh, all right, let's move on. The San Diego Chargers head to Cincinnati to face the Bengals. 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 On Sunday, how about the Bengals getting the big boy pants, getting the Sunday game? Right off the bat, that's a little notable. Uh, Marvin Lewis, of course, 0-4 uh, in the playoffs in his career. Uh, this is you can make the argument this is the most, if you want to talk about some pressure, the most pressure he's ever felt to win a game. He's got to win a game. And this is, seems like a really nice matchup, considering, let's be honest, the Chargers shouldn't even be here. Where's that pressure coming from? Uh, I don't know. It's a fair point. Because uh, he's not going to be fired. Yeah. It's a fair point. Uh, Mike Brown does not change coaches unless he's absolutely forced to by some kind of fan revolt. They just made the playoffs for the third time in a row ever in that franchise's history. You can't just keep losing playoff games well, you know in the what? first round I'll, like every other year. Uh, under Mike Brown, Who's you definitely with me? can't. <laughs> They're not going to lose this game. Tell me why not. I initially, at the start of this week, felt like Cincinnati was going to just do what we know that they're going to do. A, they're at home, and they're a completely different team at home. Will that stay true? It has to, I think, for them to have a chance, obviously. But they, are, they were six points away from scoring 40 at home five games in a row, which is outrageous. I feel like the season passed, and I didn't even see that out of the Bengals. I mean, I've watched a number of their games, but Dalton's a different player at home. That helps. And that Chiefs-Chargers game, that defense in San Diego is a disaster. What they have to hope for is a shootout where Rivers and Ryan Matthews do what they've been doing lately. They have been awesome. But I can see this being like a 31-26 type of game. 
But I, for the franchise in Cincinnati, I believe they're going to win this thing. If two weeks ago the Chargers held uh, the Broncos to 20 points and Manning to one of his least effective games of the year, you don't think they can do that to Dalton? I, and that game is such a mystery the to me. The Chargers, I believe, have held their opponent under 20 points in four of the last five games, and the they, only game being against the Chiefs reserves. Right, and under 350 yards in the last four games, too. And they've, they're on a four-game win streak, and I, they've been playing better. But this is the weakest unit on the field, I think, is San Diego's defense. No question. Specifically, their defensive backs. They can be burnt, and I don't know if you can stop A.J. Green. And that's, it's not just A.J. Green. You've got Marvin Jones. It's a, if, if you don't, if Green is – when, for instance, Cleveland played Cincinnati, or you have a team when you've got a cornerback that can erase Green out of the mix – Dalton gets in a lot of trouble because he looks to Green and he and he throws he'll th- get caught and throw in that bad pick and sometimes back to back picks on drives that just sink Cincinnati and then the rest of the team has to has to bail Dalton out. But Jones has I think ten touchdowns on the year. He's been a nice find on the other side of the field and I the Chargers don't have they have, Weddle's a nice safety. Their cornerbacks are a big problem and I I think that Cincinnati's going to outplay them. Wes, uh it's that time of the podcast where I ask you about the mysteries of the AD scale. You ready? Okay. Okay. If let's say Andy Dalton finishes with 112 passer rating on Sunday, four touchdowns and they advance, they go to New England, let's say, get picked off late in the game, but Dalton plays great again, posts over 100 passer rating, makes some big passes late. Would that be enough to recalibrate the AD scale? Uh, I would feel a lot more confident after I see the games and what how he's playing, what type of passes he's playing. Assume that he's done the, the best you've seen from him. He brings that type of level to these next two yes. weeks. Yes, in the playoffs, winning big games – even though I think you would have to factor in that the Chargers and Patriots are in the bottom third of the league in defense, those would have to be factored in. But stepping up on the big stage, you would have to recalibrate the Andy Dalton scale and then consider him close to a franchise quarterback. Oofah. It does come down to the playoffs. You know, his, he's got zero touchdowns and four picks in two playoff games. That's the most... And played about as uninspiring as you could possibly Along play. with the entire team, by the way, right. but yes. But no, the 0-4 ratio there was matched only by Cordell Stewart, Todd Marinovich, and Mark Vlasic. <laughs> Mark Vlasic is on my all-pickles team. Well, with, he should. With Steve Dills. <laughs> <laughs> he should be. How, wait, how and many Bill guys Pickel. are Wow. <laughs> What a group. <laughs> Isn't that the issue with Dalton, though? It's like we, we, we understand that he's oh. had a nice regular season at points. He's got to do it this Hold week. Hold on. Mm-hmm. I forgot. Jimmy Clausen is also a mild oh, pickle fits. team. You cannot leave Clausen off. <laughs> yeah. You've See, got four quarterbacks and no other players. It's like the only Pro Bowl list he'll ever get on, Jimmy Clausen, sadly. Mark, you know how like, when you talk about the Browns with other people, there are certain things you get. You have a certain intuition about the Browns, and in certain games you have a feel for how they're going to win or how they're going to blow sure. it. Sure. Everything I know about the Bengals is they can't have nice things. <laughs> the rest of the NFL can have nice things like playoff victories. Well, not the entire rest of the NFL. Yes, they do. I, I, who doesn't have a playoff win in the last 20 years? Well, you're right. The longest streak goes to Cincinnati. Right. It's been they, since the 99. If there's a way to mess things up, the Bengals will do it, whether it's Marvin Lewis challenging plays that have, he has no business challenging, wasting all his timeouts in the first half. Andy Dalton just getting destroyed by J.J. Watt, not even showing up for the playoffs. This team, since I've, out of the last 20 years, 
they'll find a way to mess it up. Kimo Olof and blowing out Carson Palmer's knee. Something will happen where the there's you no can't question put in my mind. It's Guy just the way things work in my mind. Things tumble. They <laughs> this go, is how you got the dossier. They, they go down the rabbit hole. That's right. what they do. Let me ask you this: Is this the best Bengals team since that '90 season? Yes, I, w- I said before the season, this is the most balanced Bengals team that I remember, even more balanced than the Super Bowl teams, as far as the really? defense and the offense, and I stick by that. What, what about but that Boomer team? Esiason and Ken Anderson were great quarterbacks, and Andy Dalton is not. What about that team, uh, not to go too deep into the history, but the, the game where Palmer blew out his knee, that was a pretty good team too, right? Yes, and I didn't think they were as good defensively as they are now. So uh, we're talking a lot about the Bengals. Is there anything about the Chargers? Because I we talked about this on the last podcast. Really down on them after how they performed in this in that play-in game against the Chiefs. Is this basically a situation where the the Bengals got a great pull here and they're going to? Well, the roll offense over? didn't play poorly against the Chiefs. That's their hope. I mean, they went down the field on Kansas City and well, scored second in- team defense, but. Well, fair, but they, they scored in three plays, and, and we've seen Rivers. Listen, he's had a fantastic season. Ryan Matthews, in Wes, that's Wes's guy. He has been, last couple games, they're giving him the ball 24, 25, 26 times a game. They're leaning on him. Woodhead is a great third down back this season. You've got a, 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 a Keenan Allen, Allen, a wide Antonio receiver. Gates, Ladarius Green. It they could be a plenty. shootout. If you wanted to defend this game, you would call up Greg because Greg – told me the other day that the Chargers are not that much worse than the Bengals. If you look at Football Outsiders DVO rankings, which factor in everything opponent, you know, that the Chargers are not that far behind the Bengals. And they've lost some close games that they probably should have won. The Redskins game stands out in my mind where the play calling down the stretch was bad. The Titans game. This, to me, they're probably a little bit better than 8-8. Eight and eight. And you, But you picked the Chargers. I did, for all the reasons I said. I just yeah. The Bengals can't have nice things. Hmm. Including playoff wins. Uh, do you want to hear a really bizarre stat? Is it mind blowing? It's a little mind blowing. And with brain matter against the wall behind Wes and I. It's possible. Okay. Uh, all right. All right. S- since 1999, every team that played the Eagles in Philly's home opener won the Super Bowl. <laughs> since when? Since 2009. Every year. Oh, my this brain. year, the Eagles opened up by hosting these very bizarre Chargers. There's a little bit of hope in San Diego. Sounds like there's a bit of a hokum in that stat. Well, it's true. <laughs> it was it was the uh, 2009 Saints, the 2010 Packers, the 11 Giants, and the 12 Ravens all were the Eagles' home opener that opponents. Stat has no predictive value whatsoever. It's out there. It's in the, <laughs> it's in the atmosphere. Deal with it. Speaking of hokum, at least uh, something I believe Wes will perceive as hokum, Dave Damshek said on the Simmons podcast on Grantland that the Bengals will be the AFC representative at the Super Bowl. And he's been saying that since the offseason. In, in some ways, that would not surprise me because I think the uh, AFC East or the AFC is that mediocre. And also, yeah, and Damashek will do anything to defeat Peyton Manning in the playoffs, yes. including pushing the Bengals. To he. Be he makes arguments against Peyton Manning kind of like I do against the Bengals. Hold on. Damashek <laughs> has been calling for Cincinnati since before the season, though. That's true. To win the AFC. And so I think he's sti- – you know, they're here. He's sticking with – he's sticking to his guns. Every AFC team is flawed in a very noticeable way. All right. Let's take it back to the NFC for the final game of Wild Card Weekend, the San Francisco 49ers at Green Bay Packers at Lambeau. I think a lot of people – Feel this is the marquee game of the weekend, uh, which may explain the Joe Buck, Troy Aikman treatment on Fox. Um, 
I will ask you, gentlemen. You know, this is to me. This was the hardest game for me to pick personally because you have a Packers team that's got Aaron Rodgers back, has all that good mojo going now. They're in their building, but I also think the Niners are as playoff tested as any team in the league right now, and are deeply talented with a great coach. So, I don't know. This is a coin flip to me. The definition of a coin flip, a coin flip game. What do you think, Mark? I don't think this is a coin flip game. I think that San Francisco is a far superior team. The fact that it's in Green Bay is uh, it's disturbing for the Niners, no question. But w- I, watching what happened with the Bears last week, and everyone wants to talk about what the Packers did on offense, and there's a reason for that because uh, they can give up 37 points and probably score 38. That's the team they are right now. But they gave up big play after big play against the Bears every drive in key moments whether it was a long pass downfield, whether it was Cutler finding someone right over the middle, or Matt Forte just blistering this defensive front. I, I, the Packers are not a good run-stopping defense on any level, and San Francisco, if they get off to a good start, could control this game on, in, that situ- in that way. Rodgers obviously makes this a complete wild card, though. This game comes down to defense as far as I'm concerned. You won't find this on your sheet, but... Uh... 49ers, since the third week in September, have not allowed more than 25 points in a game. The Packers, since the third week in October, have only kept a team under 25 points one time. They're the exact opposite. The 49ers shut you down. The Packers allow you to come back in the game when they have a lead. And the Packers are playing without Clay Matthews, who is their best defensive player. So already a bad defense is losing their best player. I I feel pretty good about the 49ers in this game. Aaron Rodgers, I had a vision in my a literal vision, a dream in a sleep state that Aaron Rodgers would return and the Packers would not lose another game all season. Is that a Sessler? It might be. That's actually be. that's a Sessler. Sessler. A soundbite, by the way, that I think is fading into oblivion because I have came in last in picks. I believe you <laughs> meant. I believe you meant fading into Bolivian. <laughs> Bolivia. <laughs> It's it's ugly for the uh, the Sesslers this season, I think. Well, there's always next year. There is. Continue. Anyway, had an actual dream. Um, fever? Fever dream, potentially, considering the defensive stats you just rolled out on me. But, uh, yeah, I think when you – Rodgers coming back is a little bit of magic in the building, you know? I think this is where Greg might have jumped in maybe, got out of his seat, started waving his hands around. He picked them to go to the Super Bowl, so. So that's, that's – why I picked the Packers, I know you guys both picked the Niners. I think the home field advantage and Rodgers potentially um, you know, playing out of his mind in this spot will be enough. This isn't home field advantage where a team has to come into your dome or play in a nice warm way. This is not a house situation. This is about as big as you can get in terms of home field advantage. It's supposed to be zero degrees game time temperature with wind chill in the negative teens. What about, real quick, Eddie Lacy last week obviously is dealing with that ankle, and they, they had Starks in there a bunch. I mean, do you feel that Lacy? I don't think he's 100%. He's, he, this week he certainly isn't. Didn't quite look himself, but he still was tough last week. He's always going to play tough, but he wasn't cutting sharply or hard uh, like he did all year. Starks has played great, but I think, is he one of those guys, that if you give him seven carries, he comes off the bench and runs 100 miles an hour? Maybe he, maybe that's the ideal role for him. I saw a good observation by one of the Packers beat writers during last week's game against Chicago that despite 
Lacey having the bad ankle. I'm not w- sure which ankle is the bad one. He would. They were calling plays that had him running to the side of the field that would have him cutting off that ankle, uh, which seems to me to be counterproductive, especially when you have two guys that you can mix up the plays on that level. I I think, but I I, I seriously think that this guy is one of those warrior type players. Oh that yeah, he's going to make a difference, and it, it reminds me also of what the Packers had set up in front of them before Rodgers had hurt his collarbone in the first place, where um, Lacey had was first kind of coming into his own, and you were starting to get an idea that this guy was a big-time player. And then he had Rodgers, and you had the weapons. Now you have Randall Cobb back, and he's playing a bigger role. I think the Niners, This yes, they've been awesome on defense for months now, but this is this is a big challenge for them to keep that streak of 25. I think the Packers have 28 points in them. He is. I just, again, though, Green Bay, they got housed by the Niners at home in the playoffs a year ago. And the whole theme of the offseason was, A, we're going to keep Dom Capers, mysterious move to begin with, but we're going to spend all these summer and spring months figuring out how to shut down teams like the 49ers with Kaepernick and the option of the read option situation. And Green Bay's, Green Bay's defense is worse right now. Well, look at the week one matchup. Kaepernick had the game of his life. Uh, if you want to look for a hope for the Packers, if they shut down Vernon Davis. Besides my Nate, dream. Yeah, I mean, your dream is your pretty dream substantial is solid, evidence. Though. That's, that's <laughs> substantial evidence yeah, right there. Good analysis. But if – if you could shut down Vernon Davis and Anquan Bolden, I don't know if I've ever seen a quarterback with 21 touchdowns and 20 of them came from two players. <laughs> no, <laughs> that is weird. Seahawks, whenever I say on Twitter the Seahawks have the deepest team in the NFL, 49ers fans always say, what about the 49ers? Look, you only got two players with touchdowns. Right. You can't be that deep. If Bolden Fair goes point. down, you have no receivers. Um, okay, so that is that is the wild card round. We'll be back on Sunday night, and of course, we'll be breaking down all the action and looking ahead to what comes next. A couple couple things. Number one, Wes, what is the map situation? Uh, you had discussed the idea of buying a map from t- some type of map store, putting it up in Studio sixty six, and then using push pins imported from somewhere that would mark all the listeners of ATL. Where are we on that? Well, I want you to know I'm on this. I have done a lot of research on this. I'm looking for the perfect map, and I've gone into Amazon and read tons of reviews. All right, because you only shop online. Right, yeah. I don't believe in going to malls. Right. That's for chumps. Right. I mean, as you've seen <laughs> by the slack-jawed yokels that hang out in malls. <laughs> it's for chumps post-1996. Right. A forward-thinking, so, despite your hatred of the term bro, you're very forward-thinking in all, all matters and very young in your mind when it comes to the internet and the advantages that it brings. I would <laughs> I would chalk that up more to the fact that I don't like people. Okay. They're the worst. Gotcha. No, I, I got gotcha. you. So I have been doing a lot Except of research for our on listeners. Am- yeah, our listeners are the best. Yeah. That's why, you know. Except for football fans, according to Wes. You know, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's on a few islands, but just. <laughs> There's a few distinctive groups of fans that, uh, you know. Well, All right, back to the point. So I've been studying these maps, and I haven't found one that I'm truly like in love with yet. But I, uh, I promise that I by, by the end of Sunday night, I will have Wait, a map ordered. Is it a map? A map? A map? I mean, no, 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 no. There's all kinds of things on there. That you, what if? All these people from all these cities around the world are sending us their cities, and what if the map doesn't have many cities no, on it? That's right. Wes is correct on that. You, you no, don't just want to pull yes. something out of a national geographic. Yeah, I don't here. want something where in England the only city they have is London. Why don't you just Google really good map? I did. Plus purchase. I didn't say really, but <laughs> I, did Google, I did Google best maps. Right, and, I, and I already ordered push pins. All right, good. 
And are you tracking? I was thinking about this on my way home yesterday. Are you tracking all the hundreds of people that have tweeted at us I have, that have already given their information? I have favorited every tweet and oh, developed see, a spreadsheet. That's good. I know that because every time in my Gmail that Wes favorites something that I'm also included in on the terms of the ID, yeah. I get an email. Maybe you and should, there have been hundreds of these. Maybe you should set up your change your settings on Gmail to where you're not getting my favorite. I like to see what you're doing. All right. <laughs> so that's good. Big, big brother Mark Sessler. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that that's progressing forward. Finally, the gold standard behind the glass. Um, what is going on with the Stitcher Awards? Yes, sir. Uh, we're nominated this year for Best Sports Commentary. So in order to vote Boom. for us in this year's Stitcher Awards, go to stitcher.promotw.com. Uh, just follow the simple steps on screen. Easily log in with your Facebook. you got to like Stitcher on there. And then you can vote for us in the category, again, of Best Sports Commentary. But here's the, here's the thing. You can vote for us once a day. Oofa. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's very That's good. That's a major boon. It's like all that. about, you know, we talked about integrity on the last podcast. Some people might say, vote once and then, you know, back off and let the rest of the people chime in. No. Forget integrity. Forget foxholes. Get on there. People, I, I implore you, vote many times and we will be the champions. We need to knock off the Dan Patrick Show. Well, these are, yeah, this is who we're up against. The Dan Patrick Show, which, you know, that guy is very talented and his radio show is very good. A fellow sin- native Cincinnatian. Yeah, he's pretty good. The Solo Monster sounds off. Pretty good. Don't know. <laughs> he's been around for like 25 years, knocking out of the park. Solo Monster sounds off. I don't know what that is, but I assume we could beat it. The Fantasy <laughs> Football Today podcast. Forget that. Chumps. Uh, MMA Hour on Fan House. Come on, please. that concerns a bunch me. of bros. And no, then, that concerns me. And then the starters, which is some type of basketball. You know what? I, I feel like I don't. I don't even want to give them promotion. We should win this. A lot of split loyalties over there. We've got one unified army of listeners. Yes. So yeah, vote there. Thank you, the Gold Standard, for that info. And uh, we will be back, as I said, Sunday night. Until then, this is Dan Hansen signing off for the Mailman, the Sizzler, the Gold Standard, and uh, Greg Rosenthal, wherever he may be. Until some. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the land of saints and sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.